0: All right. I'm so glad you're here, and those of you who are listening online, so glad you've decided to join us as well. We're in the middle of a series, well, towards the beginning of the series still, called Deep Problems, Deeper Grace. And so, last week we uh, talked about how both science and the Bible are in in agreement on a matter, specifically psychology and theology are in agreement, that human beings are happier with boundaries, and that actually is uh, going against the stream of common culture today where uh, we tend to believe that the eliminate the boundaries, the more freedom you have, the more choices you have, the happier you are, but both uh, psychology, science, and the Bible and theology are actually saying the opposite. That we need boundaries. And specifically in this series, where we're talking about deep problems, deeper grace, we're talking about how God's commandments actually lead us into not just knowing these boundaries, but how these boundaries serve as a schoolmaster, a guide, a tutor that lead us to our need for a deeper grace, specifically our need for a savior, our need for Jesus Christ. So we've been Starting these four titles, I introduced them last week, so last week was waking up to the problem. So when God gave us a set of commandments, it begins to wake us up to the problem. When we read and study these commandments, there's an an awareness that grows inside of us that yes, I need to work on this and yes, I need God's help because there's a problem. And that's waking up inside of us. The more you just kind of shove what God says about boundaries aside, the more you need to be woken up. And so we were looking at waking up to the problem. Today we're looking at why profanity is a problem and more specifically why anything that we think is no big deal is a problem. And we're going to look specifically at some commandments that we kind of set aside like this. Why is that such a big deal? And so that's an interesting one. Next week, we're looking at expose the problem of pride. And then I'm really praying that God will give me a better title for week four. Lift the sewer lid is a horrible title. And you're going like, I'm not coming to that one. So I I really, I haven't spent any time to come up with a better title. But that's the one that hopefully I'll cross out and tell you what it is when I get there. So uh, lift the sewer lid. Those are the four that we're working on. And so specifically, we're looking at a boundary today that's often misunderstood. And it's misunderstood by so many because it just like doesn't compute. It seems simple in the wording, but we're not quite sure why this is such a big deal. So commandment number three is in the list of 10 commandments out of Exodus. So here it is. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. We're going, huh? Why is that such a big deal? It's like in the top three of the Ten Commandments, I mean, later on we're going to get the do not murder and do not commit adultery and do not lie and all that kind of thing. And this one is way up there if it's in order of priority And I think it is. First, you got to get your vertical relationship with God right. And then, out of that vertical relationship with God, the horizontal relationship's going to go a lot better. And so, we have this one. So, we're going to jump right in. Point number one is this don't mess with the name. (laughs) Don't mess with the name. Now, um, before we get in specifically, as it is, Messing with the name of God. Um, You just need to understand that this is something that business gets. They get it so much they invest a lot of money. Here, for example, is Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper, okay? If you go to any store, they have their generic counterfeit and their generic counterfeit depending which store you go to has a different name so you got Dr. Pop, Dr. Perfect, Dr. Sparkle, Dr. Nut, Dr. Radical, Dr. Dazzle, Dr. Perky, Dr. Thunder, Dr. Extreme or a real doctor and there's more because Dr. Pepper is so popular so they figure all we got to do is give a pop a medical degree and then it's good. But you know, it's not just the name, it's the name and how it's associated with the actual product, what's in that name. It's so important that they put a little R right here for registered trademark. They put a lot of money and effort into protecting the name because they're protecting the reputation of the product. And it's very, very important to companies that they do that because people steal names and steal products and steal, and then aim people off. And all of a sudden, the reputation just goes terrible when you're picking up something you're thinking it's Dr. Pepper and it has the name Dr. Pepper. And if you don't like it once, you're not going to get the real thing. And so God understands that piece as well. Don't mess with the name. Now before I go much further I just want to say there are lighter forms of this and there are heavier forms of this and let me just address some that from God's perspective they're pretty heavy but they've become habitual in our culture. Oh my god. We say that phrase but we're not really meaning anything about it from as if we're using his name. Something happens and we're surprised, oh my god. And we're not really calling upon the name of God. God. And we see this thing happening all the time. And then what we do when we are taught this is we start substituting. Golly. And we start substituting words. And even that, I think, uh, I won't make a big deal about it. I would recommend be more creative. (laughs) And don't associate any of those things with the name of God. Jeez. There's another one, okay? And so we've got to really be careful with this, and we're going to talk about why that is, all right? Point number two, here we are. Don't mess with the name. Point number two, definition of profanity. All right, here's the definition. Profane means marked by contempt or irreverence for what is sacred. Let me break down the definition. Sacred. Something that's sacred is something that's holy. Something that's set apart. Something that's pure. That God has made sacred. That has a sacred order. A sacredness to it. That we're supposed to revere and respect and treat with the order that he says to treat it with. And he says his name is his character. That's who he is. It is to his name, who he is, is to be treated as sacred with respect, not irreverence. And we need to make sure there's no contempt when we use his name. And so we've got to be really, really careful. Isn't it odd that in our culture, people use as a swear word Jesus Christ? Isn't that odd? I mean, we don't hear this Buddha. right? Why is it that we don't hear that? Now, I don't recommend those of us starting to go Buddha instead of Jesus Christ. That's not where I'm going with this, all right? I'm just saying, I suspect that the kingdom of darkness doesn't care about Buddha. The kingdom of darkness would much rather disrespect the sacred name of Jesus Christ. And so, The kingdom of darkness spews out from the fires of hell, this smoke that comes out through our words. And this smoke that comes out adds glory to the kingdom of darkness, not glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And would you just notice that when you use the name of Jesus Christ as a swear word, it's contempt, it's irreverence. It's contempt coming through with irreverence on the most sacred and holy name, Jesus Christ. We have a lot of others in our culture as well. God damn you. Damn it. Go to hell. All of those are using sacred thoughts, sacred names, the sacredness of what God is placing before us in very real terms in a way that is spewing the smoke from the fires of hell and putting curses on people, who people, by the way, are created in the image of God, and they are sacred also. And when we use curses and cuss words, spewing that smoke, God is disrespected. And so he puts it in the top three, because we're using it for shock value, for contempt And it doesn't stop there. Now, it may seem like a jump, but I want to help create a bridge from this contemptible use of God's name, which is profanity, to the next layer of profanity, which forms right out of the same thing. Okay? So when we use the F-bomb, the F-word, or the SH-word, or other words, and we just throw them in there, or we start using... Uh, sacred things and giving them euphemisms and using them as swear words like body parts of the human body. we're not using anatomical names and just descriptions like a doctor would. We're slamming them against people. And, you know, it was just a Costco the other day and somebody said, excuse me, and then somebody muttered under their breath and then the other person, you, using bodily part name, contempt. It's like immediate rage, immediate malice, immediate contempt towards a human being just spewing out of their mouth using anatomical body parts as just this contemptible cuss word. It's profanity. Why is it profanity? Because that which is sacred is used in an irreverent way for shock value and to utter contempt instead of with reverence. So the F-bomb. The F-bomb stands for a sacred act which God has designed purposefully for beauty within the context of marriage. And when you pull it out of privacy and intimacy and for the married couple only and slam it against a person, it's now... Profanity. It's used as something to slam against the senses of somebody because you're feeling like slamming against people. And any use of words in that way is profanity because it is causing us to express contempt not just for people who are created in the image of God, but for the God who puts order and beauty in his creation. We take creation and take it out of order and beauty and slam it with shock value to express this contempt inside of our hearts. God says, don't do that. What about like barnyard words? SH word. Same thing. God says a lot about our bodies. The law actually talks about specifically what to do in the camp of God. Dispose of it properly. It's for discreet propriety. Make sure that you bury it in the in the camp. Or in our case, you know, take care of it. Don't take the thing which is supposed to be have God's order and God's cleanliness and God's place and purpose and slam it and smear it in somebody's face verbally. That comes straight from the pit of hell. It's the smoke of the kingdom that's gaining momentum in your own life. And then we begin to make excuses for it. I didn't mean anything by it, just words. I'm just being true to the feelings I'm feeling. I'm really angry inside. I'm just saying it. I don't really mean to be mean. It's just being true to what's inside of me. God doesn't buy it. The reason why he doesn't buy it is he knows something you haven't yet figured out. It's not like once and done. It creates an addiction. It creates an addiction where we call it colorful language. It's anything but that. It's not colorful. It's not creative. The more you use profanity, the lower your vocabulary use will get. It will become limited and limited and limited, especially when you're angry. You've met people like this. Maybe you are people like this, and I'm not trying to condemn you. Where when you're angry, it's like every other phrase you have to put in the anger word. Anger word, it's the same words. It's like, where did your adjectives go? You know? It's like you now have three adjectives. It doesn't really matter what you're talking about. There's, it's not colorful. It's an addiction. It's not freeing. It's binding, and you don't know it. Just try to stop on your own. You are now addicted. You're addicted to contempt and malice and expressing it because God knows this about you. I keep saying you. I'm sorry. God knows this about us he knows that inside of us when we express ourselves even if it's not using profanity but express ourselves in our anger it didn't go once and done it just grew on us and we want to do it again and more because out of that darkness and out of the expression of darkness more darkness grows inside of us. And God knows this about us and he knows this about holiness. When we express contempt toward that which is sacred, we will become addicted to contempt. And so point number three. Review, don't mess with the name. Definition of profanity. Number three, what comes out is what defiles now jesus taught specifically about cussing somebody out and he talked specifically about it in a very unusual place the pharisees who are the religious leaders of his day were upset at jesus's disciples because they didn't wash their hands before they ate and washing and cleansing is a big deal in the Jewish culture because it's a big deal in their law. Washing before eating and cleanliness laws were a very big deal in the Old Testament law. And Jesus took the controversy and he says, you've got something wrong, let me correct it. It's in Mark chapter 7 and let's read it together. He went on, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. In other words, you guys think that the soul is defiled when you eat some grain before you washed your hands? Ah, you've got something messed up in your thinking. That's not what's defiling the soul. Let me tell you what defiles the soul, he says. What comes out of a person is what defiles the soul, not what goes into your mouth. That's not what's defiling the soul. Let me show you how defiling the soul works, he says. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed. By the way, he's just uh, naming off some of the commandments in just labels. Boom, 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 boom. Then watch the labels now. Malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils now, we, we would hesitate to call them evils, but he, he doesn't hesitate at all. All of these evils come from inside and defile a person. I want to slow this down a bit. I want to slow it down by giving us some definitions of these here. We read those and go, you know, we, our language is not very colorful anymore. We, we rarely use the word malice. When, how many of you use the word malice this week? All right, so, all right, how about lewdness? Okay, so I'm going to give you some definitions here. Malice. In the Greek, this word's, I'm not using Webster. Okay, in the Greek, what translates malice here in English? This word's primary meaning is opposition to God. Resistance. Contempt. The evil bent of opposing spiritual forces. So, when you're expressing malice, there's an evil bent of opposing spiritual forces being expressed in you. Malice. A characteristic of fallen humanity prior to redemption. Prior to redemption, we're filled with malice. It's a bent against God, kind of a contempt and anger towards God, and we may not even know what it's toward, we're just Okay? It is the product of darkness, the opposite of the fruit of the spirit, malice, lewdness. In the Greek, this word means shamelessness, nearly a madness or mania bent on shameless self-indulgence. A soul filled with lewdness has thrown off all discipline and shocks public decency. He or she no longer cares what others say or think. Conscience has been strangled. Lewdness begins inside, then formulates words, and is then followed by shameless outward actions, casting off all restraint. The fires of hell produce the smoke called lewdness. Slander. Now, we probably have an idea what that is. More from a legal definition or American English definition. Slander is the word blasphemia. Sounds like an English word, doesn't it? This is a combination of two words. Blapto, meaning to hurt, combined with fame, which means speech to hurt speech. And it is translated blasphemy, evil speaking, slander, reviling. That's how it's translated. Blasphemy, evil speaking, slander, reviling. Blasphemy is to say something with evil or harmful intent toward God, but blasphemia slightly different nuanced word from the same root can be spoken toward people as evil-speaking, slander, or reviling. In other words, cussing them out or cursing them is blasphemia. Folly. You know, we always think of folly as just kind of silly stupidness. You don't know. You're ignorant. Hello. This is in the Greek. This word is characterized by a contempt for moral, ethical, and sacred principles of life and conduct. That's folly. As revealed by God in the word of God. So when you look at folly in the Greek word over and over again, it's in contrast to what God reveals as good. It's contempt for what is good. I'm going to define my own boundaries. That's folly. And so that comes through in the contempt even in our verbiage. So, we got to go deeper, and Jesus does. He tells us how to go deeper and solve it at the source. So let's review our points and go to point number four. Point number one, don't mess with the name. Point number two, definition of profanity. Point number three, what comes out is what defiles. And, oh, by the way, I didn't really spend any time on defiles. We usually don't think of that. What? Defiled? I can be defiled? Uh Uh-huh. God is holy. We're not. And if you want to not, not, not be holy, just let it come out and you're now defiled. And you need to do something about it or you are not in fellowship with God. The way to get in fellowship with God is to get rid of the defilement and God has the cure so that you can be in fellowship with God. Jesus Christ is a cure. So this whole series is about how the commandments lead us to the need of a Christ. The commandments are as a schoolmaster leading us to Jesus. We need a deeper grace when we realize, ooh, I have that problem. I just spoke with contempt. I didn't use any swear words, but I was using contempt and all those other things. So we need to, point number four, address the mess at the source. James 3 9 through 12 reads this way With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Pause. That's profanity. Why? Because human beings are made in the likeness of God. We are sacred, our purpose is sacred. Our our design is sacred. We've been set apart from the rest of creation. No other part of creation has been created in the image of God like human beings are created in the image of God. And when we slander a human being, we're slandering a glorious being that's either going to be glorious beyond the glory of angels in heaven or we're going to be inglorious beyond the ingloriousness of demons in hell. But we're eternal and glorious beings. Be careful. Don't be cussing out these beings, God says. That's profane. It's profanity. It's breaking God's commandment. Bad. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this shouldn't be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? In nature, you never see this. The same source cannot produce both. So, what do you think when you're producing both? Do something about that. Something's off. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? No. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. How dare you think, oh, well, me and God are good. It's no big deal. I'm, I really, you know, when I say that stuff, I don't mean anything by it, it's just words. No big deal. God says, no, no, it's a big deal. Inside your heart, there's a big problem. There's contempt for me, and contempt is being expressed. You're expressing the smoke of the kingdom of darkness, and it's growing in you. Listen to me. You've got a problem, and you need a deeper cure. You're not going to be able to solve this just simply by zipping your lip. Oh, I'm going to zip my lip. I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. Hmm. I'm going to hold my tongue. I'm going to do better this week. Sorry, you don't have it in you. It's addictive. You can't fix this, but a Savior can, and he's given us a cure. Almost 600 years before Jesus came, the cure was prophesied in this way. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Wow, let's just slow that down. I'm going to put a new spirit in you. I'm going to take out your calloused, hardened, sin-hardened, case-hardened heart. You've got a stone heart. That He's you, just like, you have no tenderness toward me. You're hearing all these commandments, and you're digging in your heels. So come on, it's not that bad. He says, "Ooh, it is that bad. You need to have your source changed out, and I can change your source. I can remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit in you and move you. You don't want to move right now, but I will move you to follow my decrees and want to and be careful to keep my laws and want to. I can do this for you. And this is what's coming. Prediction of Jesus Christ and what he's going to do for us. In Colossians 3, 8, we read, But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and here's one we haven't addressed yet, filthy language. I looked up that word, and you know what it means? Filthy language. (laughs) It means, like, disrespectful, dark, mean, All that stuff we've been talking about, language, remove it from your lips. So there's a cooperation with God that needs to take place when we have been saved, but we still have, when we're saved, it didn't work like this. We're not little computers. It's a control, alt, delete, reformat, hard drive. Ah, So much better now. No, we have to work with our coach, our savior, who says, I'm going to give you some workout disciplines and you got to work with me here. Here's what you got to do. And here's what you got to do to address it at the source. And then as you address it at the source, we're going to work with this one and your source is going to become good and clean and beautiful so that you start to see in reality a moving towards outward goodness cleanness, and beauty. I was thinking about these things as I was praying. I was out in the desert with my dog. My dog's real godly. And as we're out there, a song came to me. I'm going to ask Quentin, and bless his heart, I just told him this morning, Quentin, you have a choice. You can either preach for me and I'll sing this song, or you can help me sing this song because I'll start it in a key that's way too high. And then when he started in the key that's supposed to be sung in. It's like, uh, raise it up. Because I can't sing that. And And then he raised it up two more times. And so good luck singing with us. But I sang this song. And in my car, just tears began to come out of my eyes. Singing this song. Because as you worship God, he cleanses inside. And as you're worshiping God, beauty is coming out of your lips. And as beauty comes out of your lips in worship, it's a sweet, sweet sound in God's ear. It's the antidote, the sweet, sweet sounds that we make before God is worship, whether it's singing or praying or speaking or living. Let's let sweet, sweet sounds come out for God's ear because we're defiling, it's offensive When we are smoking the stuff from the other kingdom, God's kingdom produces the sweet, sweet sound. I love you, Lord, and thy. king. In what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Let's stand and do it one more time. It's our song, that's our worship, that's our prayer, that we could speak sweet, sweet words and sounds that God hears. May that be your experience this week, only through the cure in Jesus Christ, not trying harder, asking, Savior, help me. I need you to help me get rid of this contempt, this malice, this rage, this thing inside of me. Let me trust you. Let me love you. Let me express that more of you and others. May that be true for us this week. Hope to see you next week for the next installment of Deep Problems, Deeper Grace. See you next week.